everybody. Welcome to the New Market Alliance Church Podcast. For more information on the vision, programs, and news of our church, be sure to check us out at www.newmarketalliance.ca. We'd like to encourage you as well that no podcast, no matter how good, can substitute for the experience of joining together in person at a worship celebration. That's where God really meets people, often through the love and ministry of others. At NAC, we meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. Now let's join this week's teaching. Welcome to church, everybody. My name is Jonathan. Uh, So glad that you're here. Let me just address um, this elephant in the room. And we may need light so we can really see the pinkness. It's like, I am comfortable in my masculinity, all right? So, and yes, it comes in men's as well. So let's just settle that. Do you know that people are waiting longer to marry than ever before? Do you know in 1960, the average age of a, of, a, of a first marriage for a man was 23 years old? That's how old I was. And the average age for a woman in 1960 was 20 years old. And then Canada in 2008, uh, 31 was the age of the average man. And for the woman, 29.6, rounded up to 30 years old. And so, so people are waiting longer to marry. And that's probably because they love Jesus and are, are maintaining their purity and using all that free time to memorize scripture. <laughs> no. Uh, to the degree, in fact, that 41% of all singles will have cohabitated, shacked up uh, before marriage at some point in their life. Four out of ten. Now, statistically, 9 out of 10 people will marry at some point in their life. 4 out of 10 will cohabitate before they marry. Some of you may be shocked to hear that God actually has a problem with that. Two things I want to establish up front. There's a theological issue to consider, the issue of marriage itself. And there's this practical issue to consider, that being if and when you should marry. And so theologically, I would go to to Genesis chapter 2, where it says it's not good for man to be alone. Mankind, really, is what it means. But let's be honest, men in particular. Why? Because men are weird. And if left to our own devices, we're going to wear black pants and white socks. And, you know, typically our whole furniture aesthetic uh, plan is like, you know, a black leather couch and the biggest uh, flat screen TV that we can find, and that's it, right? That's our whole uh, furniture plan. You know, we smell our clothes to see if we can get another day out of it and stuff like that. There's a lot of reasons why, why it's not good for man to be alone. But we also see in Hebrews 13 that marriage is to be honored. We see that in 1 Timothy 4 where it says that anyone who discourages you from marriage or tells you that marriage is bad is is wrong. And so theologically, the Bible does elevate marriage, it embraces marriage, it honors marriage, but that's the theological issue. Now, practically, there are seasons, reasons why you may not want to get married right now or in some cases ever. And so when I think about this passage in in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and I thought, is singleness sort of just a a niche topic? And really, no. We can guarantee all of us will be single at one point, 100% of us, either early on in life, later on in life, divorced, widowed, 
Um, and so singleness is, is an issue for 100% of the population at some point. And singleness is even to be preferred under some conditions, for certain seasons, for certain purposes. And so we must, in addition to being theological, we need to be practical about this. So we pick it up in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 8. How many, just show of hands, read any 1 Corinthians this week? Right on. Steve Briggs, is, are, like, is the, are you too good for the Bible? Is that, is that what's going on? Okay. All right. We'll have a sermon on lying next week. Uh, so, so I can do that with Steve. Paul is, um, Paul is the dear Abby of the first century. How many would remember dear Abby? Yeah, you wrote letters. Hey, dear Abby, help me with this thing. This was a letter written by uh, a church to Paul and posed a bunch of questions. And we don't have access to the letter that they sent to him. And so it's sort of like listening to a one-sided conversation, and you kind of you get most of it figured out through context, right? And so Paul uh, has this hip, cool, trendy, young church, and they're all sleeping together and living together and dating and swiping right and friends with benefits, all right? And here's what Pastor Paul has to say. Now, to the unmarried and the widows, I say it is good for them to stay unmarried as I do, but if they cannot control themselves, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. What's he saying? If you cannot remain sexually pure, you need to hustle up, grow up, get a job, move out of your parents' basement, and, and get married. In fact, get on it. You know, book a caterer, chop, chop. <laughs> I remember on my 17th or 18th birthday out west, uh, I got a birthday card from this very sort of irreverent family, and it was a lovely card, and it had a little um, verse at the bottom. And uh, I thought, oh, that's nice. It's probably something about how, you know, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made or how God has a plan for me. And so there were these pew Bibles in front. Anybody remember pew Bibles? Yeah? Not here at NAC, but at other churches. And so I quickly look it up, and it says, better to marry than to burn with passion. And I'm like, ah. Oh. I looked over at them. They're buckled over laughing. And they're like, mm, they've got my number. And... So when dudes say, oh, she's hot, I'm like, yeah, but so is hell. So, you know, you got to, mm. um, So you need to ask yourselves, am I good at virginity? And some of you are like, nope. Uh, well, then maybe you should think about marriage. Now, marriage is for men, not boys. It's for women, not girls. So you got to grow up, you got to love Jesus, you got to be responsible, right? You got to have your act together, you got to sooner than later if you're just going to find yourselves in all kinds of sexual sin because God is not against sex. He is for good sex in marriage. I was married at 23. Why? I wasn't going to make it to 24, all right? And <laughs> If somebody had asked, like, do you have the gift of chastity? I would have been like, hmm, that doesn't sound like a gift. Uh, that's a gift I do not want. Thank you very much. That was 22 and a half years ago, still together today, and I like being married. I dig having kids. That's, that's what I like. I'm into it. I tried, I tried being in a touring rock band. It turns out I'm more of a homebody, and so I'm into being married. I like being a dad. And it was true 22 and a half years ago as it is now that it was assumed, 
you would have sex before you're married. And so what Paul is saying here is this. Your first priority is holiness. And, and if you know you're not gifted with singleness and able to stay chaste, then make steps toward marriage and exercise your desires in a, in a holy way, in, a, in the context of marriage. And then moves on through this talk. Let's skip ahead to verse 25. He talks about the practical matters of this. Now about virgins, I have no command from the Lord, and I give a judgment as one who, by the Lord's mercy, is trustworthy. In other words, Jesus didn't teach about this. The church wrote questions to Paul, and he's given them answers. He's saying, look, I'm not Jesus, but I think I might have some wisdom here. Because of this present crisis, okay, now under, underline that, because that colors everything in this chapter. You know, sometimes like self-righteous missionary single people might take 1 Corinthians 7 and say, ah, Paul said it's good not to marry. Uh, marriage is sort of junior varsity and singleness is like holiness brownie points. And so go team singleness. I, I think there were people in the church in Corinth who, who were self-righteously saying, you know, all the single ladies, all the single ladies. I wanted to get a Beyonce reference in at some point. You know, we're more... We're more, we're more spiritual. And that's not what he's talking about. Because again, all throughout Scripture, marriage is, is sacred, marriage is honored. But I think what he's saying here is that they live in a culture that's in the midst of a crisis. So, so you can't take this particular recommendation and make it sort of a universal principle for all circumstances at all times. There is a crisis and uh, just in researching this, it may be one of two things, or both. It could be, at this time, that um, they were about to be under the persecution of the Roman Emperor Nero, and uh, that was likely just commencing around this time. Christians were being slaughtered. Also, there was a famine that had been prophesied in Acts 11, verse 28, that would occur around the same time. So there was going to be food shortages, starvation, probably riots and death and poverty. So there's a crisis. And it may be the persecution, it may be the famine, it may be a, a combination of both, we don't know. But it would be no different um, for those living today, perhaps in, in Syria. There's a dictator, there's no food, there's, there's genocide, and you're a Christian. It may not make sense for you to get married and have kids. It's not safe. It's too chaotic, at least in this season. And so under those conditions, you've really got to ask yourself, is this, is this a good time to get married and have kids and wave the Jesus flag? It's, it's a question of wise timing. And so he goes on, I think it is good for you to remain as you are. Are you pledged to a woman? Do you not seek to be released? Are you free from such a commitment? Do not look for a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned, and if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life. Somebody say amen. And I want to spare you this. What I mean, brothers and sisters, is that the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as if they do not. Those who mourn as if they did not. Those who are happy as if they were not. Those who buy something as if they were not theirs to keep. Those who use the things of the world as if not engrossed in them. For the world in its present form is passing away. A couple things. Uh, the world 
that they live in is in chaos, or about to undergo chaos. And additionally, the, the persecution that was um, forthcoming under Nero, whether it be mass murder, uh, it was going to change everything. So therefore, practically, if you were a Christian thinking about getting married, you've got to factor in the cultural context of the day. You've got to factor in the world that you're raising your children in. And you've got to be practically asking, like, is now the best time for me to get married? Or if I can, would it be advantageous for me to wait? So what that means is that there are seasons of life where singleness is the best route for those who can remain pure. You know, famine comes, disaster comes, a a war breaks out, natural disaster hits. And there are places in the world today where people are starving to death and getting shot um, for their faith. And, And as of today, we don't live in that world. Our big issues are more like carbohydrates and sugar, right? We're not starving to death, we're eating to death. But there are many places in the world in in 2019 that know exactly what Paul is speaking of. And this is very applicable to them today. Uh, For us, it's a little different. But he's not saying it's a sin to marry, um, even under hard circumstances like this. But you got to acknowledge it's going to be more difficult than if you were single. If you're a guy who's going to be killed, that's one thing. If you're going to leave behind a widow and orphans, that's a whole Another matter, isn't it? So we again recognize that there's not sort of one cookie cutter, one size fits all. You got to determine theologically, should I marry? Has God called me to marry? That's the theological question. And then there's the practical question. Is, is now a good time? When would be a good time? You know, for us, the dilemma may look more like this. You're, you're single, you're in college, and the question may be, is now the best time for me to marry practically? Would it be preferable to get my degree first? Some of you would say, yes, I need to devote myself to my studies and, and work and just sort of knock out my degree because it's not wrong to get married in college, but it's harder. It's harder to be a student and an employee and a spouse. And others of you might say, you know what? I, I got to get out of college and I've got this mountain of student debt And right now, before I get married and start a family, I really want to just, you know, make a dent in that debt. So I'm going to live real cheaply at my folks and, and, you know, maybe crash on a a friend's couch for a few years. And I'm going to work two jobs and I'm going to, you know, really worry about building a relationship at a later date when I'm not carrying around this, this weight of debt. For some of you... Maybe a spouse has passed away and you're not done with a grieving process. It's not the best time for you to marry or your health isn't good or some of you may be brand new Christians and you're saying like, I need to get to know Jesus before I marry anybody. I need to get to know the Bible. I need to get to know myself better. I don't know even know what or who I'd want to be married because I don't know, I'm not the same person that I used to be. I love that the Bible um, often holds these high 30,000-foot principles and then gets like, you know, like, like marriage is a gift. That's a big principle. But also gets right on the practical ground level and says, you know what? You also got to ask yourself at this time, 
Is it the right time? Is it the right circumstances that I should be pursuing marriage? So you don't want to just be married. You want to be married to the right guy, the right gal, at the right time, for the right reasons, in the right way. It's called wisdom. And so what he's saying is, first, be holy, whether you're single or engaged or married, and then also be wise. He says in in, uh, verse 32, be devoted. I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of the world, how he can please his wife, and his interests are divided. Okay, singles, you got to know this. Um, When you get married, things change. How many married folks would agree with that? Yeah. How many of you married men uh, used to have a hobby? You say, uh, I was a great bass fisherman, and now I vacuum awesome. You know? (laughs) Things change, and, and when you're a single guy or gal, you may not believe me, but your time is more flexible and your money's more flexible, and, and some others are in a particular season where you're like, mm, I don't have a hobby, I have kids. That's my hobby. That's what I got. And um, you, you, you don't have extra money, you don't have extra time, and, and I don't know if any guys are like me when you, when you got married, you started buying stuff that you didn't know that you needed. It's like, what's that? Oh, that's a skirt. Well, it looks too big for you. No, it's a, it goes on the bed. And I'm like, <laughs> the, the bed needs a skirt? Yeah, and some accent pillows. And, well, I have a pillow. Well, these aren't for sleeping on. These are for collecting on the bed and then taking off when you're ready to sleep. <laughs> Everything changes. And when you're single, you kind of come and go and do as you please. Your schedule's your own. Your money's your own. Your place is your own. Married, not so much. It's a decision not to be taken lightly. Verse 34, he says, An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. How many of you ladies, since getting uh, married, you realize it's not just you and Jesus. You got this dude you got to love and encourage, and, and it takes time and energy and, and, and money to stand by your man. Just like the man, it takes energy and love and, and service to stand by your woman. That's the way marriage goes. It's sacrifice and it's service and it's looking after one another. So what Paul says, you single ladies, do you, do you really want to get married? Really? Uh, think of a man in your house all the time. Think of what he smells like. Do you, do you really want that? If you're a gal, for instance, who likes to keep, you know, a nice, clean, orderly house, and you, and you meet a guy who likes motors, you know, in the kitchen. Like, do you want a transmission in your sink, is what I'm asking. You got to be honest going in, not... Not naive, but soberly understand what you're signing up for. So verse 35, he says, I'm saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. Let me say this. There are particular ministries, church-based ministries, that oftentimes are actually better suited for couples. A lot of the issues we deal with are are family-type issues, child-rearing issues, couples counseling issues. I can talk about marriage. I can talk about kids 
life as a family, it's harder for a single person to do that, perhaps in part, fairly or unfairly, because they wouldn't be seen as having you know, the same credibility of experience. So there are things that practically married people are, are better at, counseling and leading others through. But there are also other ministries, responsibilities, opportunities that single people are far more strategically capable of handling. Let me give you an extreme example. At our last church out west, we sent a woman who believed she was called to singleness. She believed she was called to the least reached people groups, what we called limited access countries. And she was able to go in as a single teacher of English in a one-bedroom apartment in a way that I don't think, due to passports and red tape and that she'd be able to do as a married person. And so Paul is saying that that's wonderful and glorious and good and that that things will actually change once you're married. Your freedom is reduced. Your finances are reduced. What you need to make as a single person is different than what you need to make as a parent of four or five children. And so this is not to denigrate one over the other. I hope you're, you're hearing that. This is to say that You need to look at your life and say, is now the best time for me to be married? And if I'm not married and God hasn't brought along someone for me to marry, what things should I, could I be doing as an unmarried Christian with my time and my money and my gifts and talents and abilities that I'm free to do that other married people are not free to do? And and even if I should someday marry or remarry, I'll never actually have this opportunity again to travel, do missions work, to volunteer, to be heavily involved in people's lives to, do, to, to the degree that a lot of married people cannot. So single person here this morning, I pray you do not see your life as though God has punished you or, or that you're in some holding pattern until you're married. God has blessed you for kingdom service in a, in a state of singleness. Statistically, less than 10% of you will remain st- single. But as long as you are single, don't be angry with God because he has a good plan for you. In fact, maybe in this time, ask God, like, Lord, is there uh, something you want to teach me in this season? Uh, What is it that you'd have me do? Knowing that you have been given this opportunity, and again, not to denigrate marriage, children. I love being married. I love my kids. But to be honest, there are times when it gets in the way. There just are. And there are many times I will have to say no to you in order to say yes to my family. Not that I would change a thing, but if I was only interested in ministry, if I was only interested in building a church, I should have stayed single. And frankly, there are too many pastors, ministry leaders, who are working and serving as though they are single, forgetting their first ministry to their family, and who wrongly think that God is pleased by their 80-hour work week building a ministry while their kids go fatherless or motherless. God's not happy with that. So the truth is tons of people can do 
this job. And, and one day, someone else will do this job. I'm the only one who can be the father of my children, who can be the husband of my wife. And it's a role I can't share with anybody else. So Paul says if you're single, you don't have those divided loyalties. And that's not a curse. It, it actually may be a blessing for you and for others. So I want to state this as clearly as I can. If you're single, if you're unmarried, you, you are not less than. You are not in a holding pattern. You are not in the minor leagues of Christianity. You're not waiting till God blesses you. God is already blessing you. And in fact, can I just advocate here on behalf of, of singles? Are you ready, Christians? All of us need to stop saying a few sentences. What's a nice girl like you doing unmarried? You just, let's stop that. How about what you need is a good wife? Um, have you found anybody to date yet? Um, I'm praying the Lord will lead you to a good guy. Uh, it's too bad he's not married. Parents say that. Relatives say that. I guarantee I have said each one of those things. I am sorry. I'm sorry if we as a church have sort of denigrated singleness. You know, Jesus was single. He was all right. Paul was single. Books and articles are written from a Christian viewpoint that say, you know, once you get serious about Jesus, then God will give you a marriage partner. Jesus never said that. That's just not true. He said he will lead you to a life of meaning and purpose and fulfillment. He never said he would give you marriage. Marriage is not the reward. Jesus is the reward. And he'll give you something even better. So we need to accept the legitimacy of singleness. We need to accept it because there are some people whose circumstances will always involve singleness, who may not have an opportunity to change. Others prefer not to change. We need to accept the legitimacy of, of singleness primarily because the Bible does. Jesus was single. Paul was single. Marriage and, and singleness are both honorable. Marriage and single are both team Jesus. Um, so now he gets micro-practical, and I'm going to wrap up shortly. But he says, if anyone, verse 36, is worried that he might not be acting honorably toward the virgin he is engaged to. So there's a dude who's seeing a gal. He put a ring on her finger. They're engaged to be married. He won't set a date. Okay? How many of you have been in perpetual holding patterns, just hovering above the runway while Johnny Coldfeet waits to get his act together, right? And if his passions are too strong and he feels he ought to marry, he should do as he wants. He's not sinning. They should get married. I think what this implies is a dude needs to commit, okay? This is why women are fed up. You don't know what you want. I'm afraid of commitment. My parents got a divorce. I'm insecure. I'm keeping my options open. Pick a team. And if you don't want to, a wife, don't date her. It's very confusing, okay? I want to date you indefinitely. That's, that's a dude who needs to figure out what he wants. Do you want to be married? Do you want to be single? Do you want to be married soon? Do you want to be married to her? Uh, do you want to be married somewhere down the road? Just figure it out, okay? Because some guys are like a dog chasing a fire engine. If he actually caught one, he wouldn't know what to do with it, all right? 
you got to have a plan. And sometimes single people have a, a list. Got the list, single people? It's completely unrealistic, completely unattainable. Some guys make a list of what they want. It turns out they want a woman just like them. You do not want a woman just like you, okay? If my wife was just like me, one of us would have to die, okay? <laughs> I've lived with me. It's terrible. If you don't want to be married, don't. That's fine, but quit flirting. Quit breaking hearts. And if you don't want to ever be married or you don't see that as God's intention for you, great. Then love the women in the church, Paul says, like sisters, Women, love the men in the church like brothers, but don't lead them on. Just wear a button that says, I have the gift of singleness, so that we all know, okay? <laughs> You're free not to marry. You're free to marry. Just don't waffle over it while hearts are at stake. You're not free to be sexually active and not married, or to be engaged and courting, but not moving towards marriage, all of which is highly frustrating to one who is, who is in the powerless position as you try to make up your mind. So be honorable. I think that's all Paul is saying. You're free to marry or not. You are free to marry when, theologically and practically, it most makes sense for you. You're free to marry anyone who loves Jesus. You're free. There's lots of freedom. But don't exercise your freedom to break someone's heart. Don't exercise your freedom to do anything less than what is holy and wise and pure, devoted to Jesus. So I'll close with this. Jesus was single and unmarried. Um, the Bible says he was tempted in every way, and yet sinned not. So did he feel lonely? Yeah. Did he feel tempted? Sure. Did he ever sin? No. Whether we're married or single, we look to Jesus as our ideal. We, we fall short but we call it sin, we confess it to Jesus who died for our sin, who rose for our salvation, who freely and graciously and eagerly forgives. And we live this new life empowered by God's grace, formed and instructed by, by his word. Our relationships, our friendships, our dating, our courting, our sex, our schedule, our budget, all of it belongs to Jesus. He's ultimately the one who, who, who's the king of our life, and it's done in worship to him. And so here's how I would sum up the last half hour. Why didn't you just sum it up at the beginning and we didn't have the first? Listen, whatever your station is, whatever station God has put you in, be all there. Be faithful. Do it for God's glory, trusting that he has you in that job, in that community, in that school, in that non-abusive but difficult marriage for such a time as this. Maybe it's just, it's hard to be married to your spouse. Maybe you're single and you're, you're aching to be married. Um, you're without kids and your heart is broken. You have kids and it's not how you thought it would be. Paul says, it's great to be married. Um, if you're not married, be like me. It's great to be single. If you're, if you're not good at chastity, get married, but be married to one wife, one husband. Devote yourselves to one another. It's a gift to be single because you can truly be single-minded for the cause of Christ for these few years that we have on earth. And, and you have Christ 
So you're actually not alone anyways. You have the body of Christ, the church, so you're part of something bigger. If you're single, own it. If you're married, have great marriages. Uh, be the image bearers of God who you were created to be like. I think it's summed up in, in verse 17. Nevertheless, each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them, just as God has called them. Whatever assignment, whatever station God has called you to, be there. Live it to the fullest, to the glory of God. Amen? Why don't you stand? Father, I thank you for my friends here. And I pray for the one who has felt less than because of their relationship status. I pray for the one who's in a tough marriage right now. I pray for healing in that relationship. Uh, I pray, God, that wherever we have been placed, that we would just be fully devoted, committed to you, trusting that you have a good plan. We may not see it right now, but that you have a good plan for our lives. And, and ultimately, marriage is not the goal. Singleness is not the goal. Children are not the goal. Jesus is the goal. And so may we fix our eyes on you, the author, the perfecter, the finisher of our faith. We love you, Jesus.